Mitch Varel, this is Steve Zinsmeister back here on Arizona Sports Saturday. A lot of stuff on to ask for the Suns this offseason. Number one probably is finding a new head coach, but there's other stuff on that list that we need some more insight on. And to get more insight on it, we turn to the phones. The Arizona Sports Line is where Kevin Zimmerman is waiting, Arizona Sports lead writer and co-host of the Empire of the Suns podcast. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. So where would you like to start on this big off-season to-do list? Oh, man. Uh, coaching search. Let's go. Okay. Um, Gambo had put it out there yesterday that he wouldn't be surprised if Doc Rivers got an interview. What is your immediate reaction? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think my overall thing about Monty was, um, I mean, it, it's a move on, right? It's looking for what What do we need here? You need more development if you want more out of DeAndre Ayton, and that's kind of why I think coaching search is the big, big first thing to fall, right? Because I think what you do with DA, that contract, or keeping him in developing, developing him is the big thing and the big question you got to ask the head coach. And to me, that's where... I think the interesting part is of, look, Doc Rivers, Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer seem to me redundant. Um, <laughs> I was joking with someone around the office, like, if if you didn't like Monty blowing 2-0 leads, then let's get a coach to blow 3-1 leads with Doc. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think it's really just a turn of they're serious about younger coaches, people who can actually give you a good answer about what to do with DA, what more you can get out of Kevin Durant and – Devin Booker and like, yeah, they'd only had a few games together, but I think it is a matter of if someone says I would have done this differently, I would have had it implemented in five, 10 games. Um, I think that's the type of coach they're looking for. So I don't know if doc's the right answer. Look, I think he'll be a, a new voice. who would get them a long ways, but he has the same kind of baggage as Monty and Mike Budenholzer, to be honest. Okay. So then talk to me about some of the younger candidates, the first time head coach candidates, um, because I'm one of the people who's of the opinion that if you have a short window with Kevin Durant and possibly Chris Paul still, I'd rather have the proven commodity of a championship winning coach. And there's seven or eight of those out there right now uh, as possibilities. But it seems like you're right. They want to go the route of a first time head coach. Uh, who are some of those guys and what makes them stand out above the rest? Yeah, um, I mean, again, to your point, it, it's a huge risk, right? I think that's why moving on from money was a huge risk um, because, you know, if you come with a proven head coach, uh, they don't necessarily have the answers, right? Do the young guys have the answers? Maybe, but that's also harder um, to do and implement and get done than just walking in an interview and saying. But um, as far as the candidates, I think you could start with Darko Ryakovich, who – had a year um, with Devin Booker, and that was kind of Monty's first year where they implemented that .5 offense, got really good returns with, you know, Book, Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, DA, um, and a little Mikel Bridges in there. So I, I think they know him. Um, Kevin Durant actually had him in Oklahoma City the last two years, so obviously your two stars are familiar with him if they're good with him. Um, he's an um, offensive mind. He also is really credited with developing Mikel Bridges in that one year, developed a lot of guys with Memphis. Uh, Desmond Bain is the obvious one who blew up kind of this past year. Um, so he has kind of both the developmental is familiar with the guys and also is an offensive coach. Um, but then you go to Jordy Fernandez, who is under Mike Brown, had some time with the Nuggets and, a lot of developmental work in his background. He, I think he has like a PhD or something. So really smart guy, but 
you know, even if you can say you relate to players like these guys, it's a matter of, okay, um, I don't think book and Katie are the most, you know, dramatic superstars to work with, but it's still a matter of, can you get them to buy in? And that's always the toughest part, but those two guys, um, Charles Lee with the bucks, obviously he's been in the coaching circles for the last two off seasons, I believe. So he also has some clown around the league developmental guy as well. Would you prefer the Suns to go in a direction of somebody with more experience, or does that really not bother you all that much? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a good answer for you. I think that the biggest thing overall is when you fired Monty, they didn't have, I mean, at, at this point, it seems like they didn't have a certain guy in mind, right? It's, it's they really want to look, and I will credit them for a franchise that a few years ago decided to hire a head coach and admitted they didn't interview anyone um, with Errol Watson. I think this is good. They're, they're getting uh, a bunch of names in of different backgrounds. So I'll give them credit for that. But that's the big risk again is if you don't have a really obvious guy you can go out and get in mind um, with Monty out, then you're taking chances. And I think that's why the Ty Lu thing, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Like that's my, like if, you had to tick one. That's the obvious number one, but then it's just a lot of question marks after that. Um, and again, if you want to talk about him, I mean, it's 10 steps down the road for whether they could even have a chance at getting him away from the Clippers. We're talking with Kevin Zimmerman, Arizona sports lead writer, co-host of the empire of the sun's podcast as well. Um, what's this rumor I keep hearing about Deandre Ayton could be traded for the third overall pick in Portland. Does that make any sense to you? Oh, no, I mean, his stock is hard to judge. I think there is um, a little more to it as frustrated as Phoenix Phoenix fans uh, get with him. I, I think you could get a couple of good players, good rotation players back for him. But as far as like training to Portland and getting a number three pick, I don't think so, especially in this draft where, um, you know, there's a top number one and then there's kind of Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson are a solid one, two behind that. It's kind of a question of who goes after Victor Wembanyama. So, I don't buy the DA's worth the number three pick at this point um, because you want to go get, you know, rotation players ready to win now too. And that's the biggest thing is I don't even know how good those players could be. I'm sure you can get rotation players, but like, are are they going to make up for, again, how frustrating he might be? Are they going to make up for that loss and give you two really good bodies? So I would be doubtful about that one, but I, I do think that DA's market has a little more oomph than probably Phoenix fans think. Well, Mark Stein put out the report, I guess it was either today or yesterday, recently on his personal account, that the the Aiton to Dallas stuff, it may not have as much traction as we think. I forget his exact verbiage, but I'm kind of paraphrasing what he put in there. So what teams are left then? If it's if it's obviously not going to be for the number three overall pick with Portland, and if apparently Dallas is soured on the market, like who's left to actually entertain offers for DeAndre Ayton? Well, I forget the exact date, but the Pacers are on the radar, and I think it's going to have to be in a few months at least before they're allowed to trade with them. Um, obviously, they signed into that. Um, offer sheet last offseason, the Suns matched. Uh, they might have interest still. And if you got like a Miles Turner and another rotation piece, they have a lot of guards. Um, then that kind of gives you one more body. It allows you to maybe keep Chris Paul and give him um, backcourt help because they have a lot of guards. Um, that's the type of move I would think would be like a, a win. Um, but yeah, it's tough. The Dallas thing's super difficult because 
just the contracts that you can send out. You can't just take back like a Kyrie Irving. Like that's crazy. If they were sign and trade Kyrie Irving, I don't even know how that would work. You would have to do a lot of moving around financially just to get set that tr- trade up, sign and trade up. Um, but yeah, it's also like, man, after those couple of mentions, I'm not sure who wants BA. He, you know, lots of question marks. You have to have a coach in place who, you know, can get more out of him and has a really good plan and knows his flaws and knows how he ticks. And that's obviously something Monty struggled with. Chris Paul can be brought back for 30 million or they can cut him for 15. Now the idea is being tossed around that they could waive him stretch the contract over a couple of years so it's cheaper, and then the possibility of bringing him back on a, I don't know, mid-level or veteran's minimum, whatever it ends up being. What scenario do you see as being the most likely for the Suns and Chris Paul? Yeah, I think the stretching, you can't bring him back. Um, So you'd have to kind of eat 15 and then pay him a little extra. So basically you would save a little over 10 or so in that scenario. Stretching would basically be we're trying to open up $30 million and, and be able to be under the cap perhaps with a couple other smaller moves. So I, from that report, I believe it was Chris Haynes earlier this week. Um, it, it seems like they're going to keep him. And I, I'll say, like, it's hard. It's going to be hard to replace him. And that's one where I don't think he has the trade juice where if you traded his $30 million after picking it up, you could go get good pieces because he's kind of nearing the end of the line. But that being said... The guy is really important. He played a role. If he averages 13 assists or 13 points, eight assists a game, um, nine assists a game, like this past season, I think there's still lots of value in that. And he's not absolutely a defensive liability just because he's so smart. So I, I think there's value in keeping him. But again, it's kind of hand in hand with DA's contract, right? It's like you kind of think that they should move one of those just to kind of fill their roster in a little more evenly, not as top heavy and see where it goes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a definite question mark. It's a thing they have, I think, June 28th is the date where they have to decide what to do with that contract before it becomes fully guaranteed. So another thing they have got to figure out, and I think, again, it matters what the next coach says. Kevin, as always, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for carving out a few minutes on a Saturday for us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys.